Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. A little short, relatively short anyway, bonus episode for you. There is still plenty to discuss when it comes to the uh, the season that has just gone. We will be doing that as usual on the Arscast on Friday. But before we continue our, our look at what happened with the Arsenal men, I thought it would be interesting to find out what happened with the Arsenal women this season, a season review of of Arsenal women and with me to discuss that the man who writes about them and podcasts about them for Arsblog it is Tim Stillman hi Tim hello there what would you say this season was like for Arsenal women is it successful unsuccessful somewhere in the middle where did it uh, go in terms of the expectations at the start of the campaign yeah, sure. I would say unsuccessful, um, certainly. I think most people who have who have, uh, really kind of follow the women's team very closely would agree with that. Um, I'm keen that qualifying for the Champions League isn't rebranded as success for, should we say, like the casual fan, because mm. there are distinctions um, between... Because, you know, most people would look at the table, see that Arsenal finished behind Manchester City and Chelsea and would say, OK, that makes sense. Um, but with the women's team, it's slightly different just because, first of all, they are not quite as far behind in terms of funding. In fact, with Man City, um, they're pretty close. Chelsea have pulled away a little bit in that respect. But Ar- Arsenal women is is a bigger deal, a bigger setup and a team that is expected to challenge for the title um, in the in the WSL. And they didn't do that this year. In the end, I'd probably compare their season actually to Liverpool men in the Liverpool men, you know, they got into the top mm. four in the end. And given that that didn't always look like a certainty, you kind of take it and move on. And that's kind of how it was for Arsenal women. They did look wobbly um, about getting that Champions League, uh, that final Champions League spot, because Manchester United had a slightly better season than expected, or at least they started very strongly. So the, it was kind of, we got there in the end on the minimum expectation, but they didn't challenge for the title, which they should have with the squad they have. Um, they went out of the Conti Cup in the group stages. Um, it was quite weird because they, they finished last season's Champions League this season and last season's FA Cup this season. Yeah. So they got to the quarterfinal of the Champions League where they were beaten by PSG. And that's not... I mean, PSG are a really good team. They look like they're going to win the league in France this year above Lyon. So that's not a disgrace. Um, and they went out of the FA Cup in the semi-final to Man City. So, But they didn't play well in that semi-final. So right. 
you know, ultimately the manager's leaving for a reason and it's it's because the team under-delivered on the talent they have this season. Okay, this is a very broad question um, and maybe not an easy one or maybe it is an easy one to answer, but given what you've just said, what went wrong? What was mm. What was the thing which made this season unsuccessful you know obviously there are standards and the um you know what's expected of the Arsenal women's team the 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 quality they've had over the last number of years has been uh incredible so what was it about this season which brought about the the underperformance if you like yeah sure so I I think maybe things did go a little bit stale um under Joe and and he knows that and why he's leaving and that's why he's leaving ultimately there were there were just two questions he couldn't quite answer and i think um it just came to a point of critical mass this season so there were there've always been kind of problems with injuries and again at the beginning mm. of this season there were just loads of injuries again um, some games only able to field three or four substitutes um, with like an academy player in there. So they didn't have the squad depth in the middle of the season, which which they needed at that point. The other thing they really struggle with is uh, results in the big games against Chelsea and Manchester City. And, and again, that's been a question mark over Joe for a little while and they weren't able to solve it this mm. year. And I do think in the middle of the season, morale took a hit once you know they played Chelsea and Man City again they lost those games again and there was a sense of oh god here we go again we just can't beat these teams and I, and I think morale did drop particularly in the middle of the season and and I think there were other soft factors as well and look these are things that all the teams have to deal with but you know players not being able to go home um, and things like that not yeah. being able to socialize together I think that was tough, particularly for injured players um, who'd usually, you know, maybe if you're out for a couple of months, you get to go home. Didn't get any of that. Mm. There was also, you know, that, I guess, a miniature scandal in the middle of the season when it emerged that some um, players had gone to Dubai um, and one came back with COVID. And Arsenal had a game postponed as a result, which was really poor timing as well because we had some bad weather in January and February. Mm. So they had three games postponed. Um, in quick succession and they had to play Chelsea and Man City again having barely played for two months and they lost those games again and and it there was just like a bit of a, a critical mass they finished very strongly they won um, nine in a row mm. and only conceded one goal in that time so things got a little bit better but the the teams they were playing in that run I mean, they beat Manchester United at home, which was a massive result, but the teams in that run were teams you'd expect them to beat. So I, I think overall, there were, there were quite a few soft factors, I'd say, but ultimately I think there was just, I, I think a sense of resignation over the injury issues and the kind of the failure to, to get better results in those games against Chelsea and Man City. Let's talk about the injury thing then, because uh, I know you've written about this on, on the site that there is or has been uh, underway a review of what's happening at, uh, you know, w- with the Arsenal women across the board, because obviously mm-hmm. there are changes. We're going to talk about those changes now in, in a few minutes time. But, you know, when when it comes to things like injuries, are there improvements that Arsenal could make? Not necessarily with, um, you know, players get injured all the time. We know that. But is there is there room for improvement in terms of squad depth, for example? Is there room for improvement in terms of uh, physios or personnel or medical staff? And I'm not trying to be critical of, of uh, the medical mm. staff that are there. 
I'm just wondering, is it possible to improve that? Could there be perhaps uh, a better injury record if uh, there were more resources in that area, something like that? Yeah, 100%. And a lot of that is already underway and and already happening. So there have been um, further appointments on the medical side. They're Mm -hmm. currently uh, advertising for a head of uh, medical and sports science. So they have restructured there. Some of that um, I think in the past, some of that's been to do with squad depth. The, the squad, I think, was was pretty deep this season. Mm. Um, so it's it's kind of difficult to explain um, how they got so many injuries all at once. But Joe, uh, so one of the things that's noticeable on match day as as part of this review is the the staff has gotten bigger. There are more people there, uh, and that's become noticeable over the last, particularly the last couple of months of the season. Um, so they have beefed up on that side, and I understand there are going to be more kind of job adverts going out over the summer um, around that side. There was also um, a story which was reported by Katie White in The Athletic, and I understand um, that there is uh, truth to this, that some players expressed concerns about the availability of facilities. So because of coronavirus, they're not always at London Colney. Mm. They um, they kind of switch backwards and forwards between Hale End and London Colney, depending on what time of the day they want to train. So if they want to train in the morning. That's kind of when the men train. So they go over to Hale End. If they want to train in the afternoon, they can use Colney um, just because of the number of people that are allowed there at any one time. And there were concerns over some of the equipment at Hale End um, and things like that. And obviously, the really good gym is at Colney. And on occasions, players were told, well, you either got to go there at like seven o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the evening um, when there's no one else there. And as is very typical of Arsenal under their current ownership, they were very reactive. They weren't proactive about that. I understand that there was a lot of upheaval and they had to forgive me if you can hear my daughter screaming in the background. She's obviously very Um, concerned about the the gym (laughs) facilities. (laughs) setting the mood music there Um, so I I understand they had to do things quickly and there was a a sense of upheaval and they can't do anything about like COVID guidelines and things like that but they were slow on on things like just moving equipment over and some players had to basically kick up a bit of a stink and that's that's just entirely typical of Arsenal under KSE Mm. Um, they are reactive um, not proactive which is immensely frustrating my understanding is they you know they did start to sort that in the second half of the season but it's annoying that they had to wait for people to complain to do that so yes there are staffing improvements that are currently being made Mm. but also you know just being you know being a bit more alive to these issues in in an ideal world in a non-covid world you know is there still scope for the facilities etc that the arsenal women have to be bettered but I, I think so, yes. To be fair, um, they they kind of upgraded a lot of that in, I think it was 2016, 2017. So, you know, I mean, I guess that's four or five years ago now. But I, I think they do have um, pretty good facilities at Colney. Um, and they have like their own area of Colney. Mm. They have their own training pitches and things like that. Um, I, I think the issue was more Hale End, um, which, you know, Hale End's still a, a really, really good facility, um, but it's kind of designed for youth teams um, at the moment who have different kind of strength and conditioning um, kind of needs yeah. uh, compared to, to professional athletes, uh, like fully fledged professional athletes. So I, I don't think um, that there's such a problem at Colney. Um, I just think it took the club too long 
um, to realise um, this kind of thing. And that's the kind of thing that the manager shouldn't have to deal with, that mm. the medical staff shouldn't have to deal with. It should be set up for them um, already. Is it, well, What's it like then in terms of the structure of that? Because obviously Joe Montemoro is the manager and his remit is what happens on the pitch. But, you know, if we think about the men's game, there is a manager, but there's also a technical director who is mm. in, you know supposed to anyway at, at most clubs relieve some of the burden of you know the day-to-day stuff that that happens at a football club so is there somebody in that position for the Arsenal women or is that uh is that a position that could be created to ensure that the manager or head coach or whatever you want to call whoever it is that comes in uh, for next season uh, can concentrate more fully on the football side of things and not have to worry about admin and facilities mm. and all of that kind of stuff. So they don't have a technical director at the moment. They have a general manager, Claire Wheatley, who's mm. been at the club for some years and was a player for very many years as well. Um, but she, you know, she kind of um, does a lot of the admin around fixture mm. arrangement um, and things like that. They don't currently have a technical director. I reading between the lines, I think that that position might be created. Yes, um, I. Um, so when a few months ago, and a little while before the Athletic released um, that story about players having frustrations, I kind of caught wind of that, um, and through the AST. Um, tried to make contact with Vinay to ask some questions about that. Now, obviously, I wasn't expecting him to give me the full chapter and verse about exactly what's happening. Um, mm. I wouldn't expect to get that at all. But I and and this is purely me being speculative. So I don't I don't want I don't want anyone having a go at me if this doesn't happen. No headlines. I, yeah. <laughs> I very much read between the lines that I think they want to create um, a technical director type position. And they've got an opportunity now because they're currently in the process of appointing a new manager. Um, and it will be very interesting to see what happens with that, whether, you know, um, and and they've been, um, Arsenal have been, and again, rightly and justifiably very secretive um, about this process. I haven't heard any sort of whisper, not even a rumour about who the new manager might be. Um, all I know is that it will probably be announced quite soon because they um, they put up a, a three strong shortlist I think last week right. so I assume from that there were second interviews but no idea who they are um, so I so it, it will be quite interesting to see if they do this and how they do this even if they don't call that individual a technical director I do think that there will be some appointment in that vein Chelsea last season appointed a te- Chelsea women that is appointed yeah. a technical director for the first time in about November I think so this is very much where the wind is blowing Man City don't have one at the moment what um, about across Europe got- in in sort of the the big European women's teams is that part of the structure there it's it, it's again they have some of them will have like technical director type um uh, uh, kind of roles going um, whether they call them that or not I'm not sure it's mm. kind of because everyone has like a what they call a general manager in fact in the WSL um, you have to have a, a, a general manager um, it's in the rules and so a lot but that's it's quite loose how you can interpret that role um, and so those those can be quite like technical directory in some clubs and in some clubs they'll be purely pastoral Um, I think Arsenal have been on the more pastoral side, but I do think that that will change. 
Well, look, I mean, there's plenty going to happen. Obviously, uh, I'm going to ask you a little bit about Joe Montemoro now in a minute. But uh, in terms of the overall season on the pitch, who have been the the standout performers for Arsenal? I know it's it's a little mm. bit difficult in that. You know, when we talk about the men's game, uh, I think it's very easy for us to to sort of point fingers at underperformers and players that we don't like and things like that. Mm. And I do think the the way that um, you write and talk about the women's game is is different. So I don't want to really go down that road of like who's been terrible or anything <laughs> like that. And I know it's a it's a much more difficult. Um, situation for you because because of the the access that you have to the women's team and some of the mm. relationships there so that's not what I'm interested in I am interested in you know who has who has really uh, done the business on the pitch this season and who yep. going forward as as um changes are going to be made this summer and we you can fill us in on a few of those changes as well who are going to mm. be the building blocks for this team uh, going into next season yeah, sure. So the, the best player um, this season by quite a distance, I think, was Katie McCabe um, at left back. Um, <laughs> she came out with uh, she's in double figures for assists. In fact, she played left back in every single game and she was joint top for assists in the division. She had 12, I think, but 14 in all competitions, mm. as well as four or five goals on top of that. She's just been absolutely brilliant and um, she saved Arsenal a real problem because their big signing last summer was Steph Catley, who is a left-back. And Steph Catley is possibly the best left-back in the world. It was Arsenal's big signing. Mm. Um, their big kind of, this is world-class player. And she barely played because she kept getting hamstring injuries and had to have surgery. So she could only play three or four games. So, But Katie McCabe made that a non-issue. Um, frankly, with the way she played at left back and her contribution to the attack. And she's she's just one of those players. Who, she's 25 now and she's just coming into that age where she's heading towards her prime. Um, she will, And she signed a new contract as well, thankfully. So. She's had an interesting time, hasn't she, at the club? Yep. You know, if you want to give a bit of background on that, because it's been a bit up and down for her. Yeah, hugely. So she came as a young player when she was mm. 19 or 20 um, and she was hugely, you know, really, really um, kind of very, very highly rated young player. And But she came at a time where Arsenal under Pedro Loza had like a squad of 50 players um, under Pedro. They had a massive squad and she struggled for game time and she it was just the worst time for her to struggle for game time. So she went on loan to Glasgow City in Scotland and um, that that was quite a surprising move because everyone expected her to go to perhaps a mid-table WSL club mm. and she said no 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 like frankly I want to go somewhere where um, we play really good football and we win quite a lot of the time because she wanted to get her love back for for playing and she went there and Glasgow City they win the league every year in Scotland um, and she went and scored loads of goals got loads of assists it was probably well it was below her level but she just wanted to get that enjoyment back but then when she came back at the end of 2017 she fully expected to leave um still she thought okay i've had a good loan spell now i can look at going to another club probably in the wsl but it and she'd kind of fallen out with pedro loza the manager at that mm. point but at the point that she came back pedro loza left and joe montemoro arrived and kind of Joe just kind of spoke to her and said, okay, just, you know, train with us for a few weeks. It was a few weeks away from the transfer window opening. So he said, okay, that's fine. Just, you know, train with us. You're part of the group. 
And then after about two weeks, um, he spoke to Katie again and said, why the hell were you on loan? Why weren't you with us? Why weren't you playing? And Joe has put her in the team in, you know, in a variety of positions every week, basically ever since. And, um, and yeah, she, she was that close to leaving and being out the door. But Joe really saw something in her as a player and she's just gone from strength to strength. And the last three or four seasons, I think she's just gone up a level um, every year. And she will certainly be, you know, one of the leaders, I think, of the group going yeah. forward. Um, another player who's who I'd say has had a really good season is Caitlin Ford. Arsenal signed her. She, she's had a weird time at Arsenal because she was signed last January. Mm. Um, and she had two games before everything shut down for COVID. And I believe she was the first footballer, I think, in the world to be asked to quarantine um, because she went and played some Olympic qualifiers for Australia in Vietnam. And this was in February. Right. And when she came back, um, yeah, she was asked to quarantine. And, and that was when that word seemed really kind of weird and scary to everyone. Um, and, and so, you know, she, she really didn't get going, uh, didn't have a chance to get going, but this season she's been great. She's got double figures for goals and assists, um, a real kind of, uh, real strong addition to the forward line. And cause she can play up front. It's, it's been a really nice signing because for a while Arsenal didn't have a backup striker because nobody wants to come and sit on the bench behind Vivian Miedema. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because Caitlin can play wide and up front they've been able to, you know, just rotate Viv um, every now and then or play them both together. Um, it's it's just kind of beefed up the front line quite nicely. She's been a really good signing. So I think those two have been like the real standout players who can say they've played, you know, they've played near the best of their, their kind of their level for the whole season. What about some of the players who, you know, have been a big part of things who might not be around next season departures mm. and, and what kind of gaps are they going to leave in the squad? Yeah, sure. So Gilles Rod has already gone to Wolfsburg. Um, that to me, I think Gilles a really, really good player. I don't think it ever quite worked at Arsenal for her. I think I understand why Arsenal bought her. She's a slightly different type of player to the mm. one Arsenal have got. She's kind of a bit more physical. Um, she started out as a number nine, so she's more kind of there to hold the ball up um, and things like that. I, I, do, I just don't think it ever really worked um, for Gilles at Arsenal. So I think that's an OK move. And she's essentially already been replaced by Mane Obuchi who's a Japanese playmaker, who's just a lovely footballer um, to watch. She's 28. She's won the World Cup with Japan. Um, she's best friends with Vivian Miedema and Lisa Evans. She played with them at Bayern Munich. She played with the goalkeeper, Manu Zinsberger, and one of the defenders, Vicky Schnaderbeck. Mm. So she knows four of the players very well already. And she's she's just an Arsenal player, Anna uh, right. Um And she's a player that Arsenal have been after for a long time. They tried to sign her in 2019. They tried to sign her in January 2020. The move was blocked by the Japanese FA because they didn't want any of their players going to Europe until after the Olympics. And then that got complicated by the postponement of the Olympics. So it's been a very long road to getting Mane Iwabuchi to Arsenal. But she's she's just a lovely player. And I do think that that's kind of a good substitution. Um, in terms of some of the other players that have left, so Leonie Meyer, um, who's a German right back, she's left. Her contract ended. It, again, it didn't really work for her at Arsenal. Um, 
her career, I think, has just gone off the boil slightly. Mm. She really broke through as a teenager, almost Bellerin-esque, actually. Broke through as right. a teenager, albeit in Germany. Looked like the next big thing. It didn't quite work for her, so she came to Arsenal and she just never really nailed down a place in the team. Um, Arsenal have a few right-backs. I don't think her position needs replacing, per se. Mm. Um, and two of the other players um, that are leaving... Um, one uh, will be Daniel Vanderdonk. Um, unfortunately, uh, I was told a few weeks ago that would probably happen. Um, I know that Leon have had an offer in for her for a while. I, d- I don't know for sure that, that she's taking that, but um, I, I'm pretty certain she's going. That's really unfortunate. DVDs are, again, a, a lovely player. Yeah. Um, really, really uh, great character as well to have around. I don't think there's anything massively sinister behind this. She's been at Arsenal for six years. She's 29. Leon are rebuilding. Um, They've lost a few players. They're bringing a few players in. I think at 29, I can completely understand why someone would want to be part of that and maybe just have a bit of a change of scenery. Yeah. Um, So that's a really unfortunate one, but I I completely see the player's um, point of view. Uh, from there and then there's another player leaving and why has it gone out of my head don't know <laughs> it's it's no it's no one so uh, um and there are a couple of contract situations as well like leah williamson's contract is up at the end of this season my understanding on that is that basically a new deal is agreed but they're waiting she wants to wait and see who the new manager is. Now, right. I would be shocked and amazed if the new manager came in and said, I don't want Leah Williamson yeah. um, and they shouldn't appoint that person. <laughs> so I'm I, I'm not too concerned um, about that one. So, that, yeah, so there's, there is going to be um, a, a fair bit of change, a fair bit of turn. Ah, Malin Gutt, that's the other one that's going. Sorry. Right. So uh, Malin Gutt, this one's, this one's really unfortunate as well. She's 20. She signed last summer from Switzerland and um, she, she's a real player for the future unfortunately she's quite homesick and obviously Covid has exacerbated that Sure. my understanding is she will go back to Switzerland so she'll go back to being semi-pro that's how much um, you know she wants she wants to go back home she had offers from Germany still wants to go back to Switzerland I don't know if that's been complicated because um, again really unfortunately for her she tore her ACL um, in training mm. three days before the end of the season um, so I don't know if that will impact the move at all but um, yeah that that's already been in the press that she might go so so those are some of the players that are going we've got one player in in terms of other incomings as far as I understand it that will be down to the new manager now um, Arsenal have been linked with a player called Kenza Dali a French attacking midfielder who's just out of contract with West Ham um, but I personally don't have any kind of privileged inside info on that other than what's been in the press so yeah. the, the rest of it will be down to the new manager um, essentially so it's, it's very much a case of watch this space. Right okay well that sort of makes the the need for a, a relatively um, quick appointment you know yeah. it brings that into perspective because you do have to to build your squad. A couple of things before we finish um, one is you know obviously over the last few years the the coverage and the awareness of the women's game has grown quite considerably and mm. Arsenal women have um, garnered a lot of new fans, which is absolutely great. 
Um, I saw a suggestion during the week, and I did mention this to you. Uh, uh, there was a tweet. I can't remember who it was from, but... Adam Salter. That's yes. it. Yeah. About how, given that Arsenal don't have midweek football, that if um, at all possible, the Arsenal women could play at the Emirates, play some of their European games at the Emirates, which seems like mm. a great idea. Not quite as cut and dried as as the, the tweet might suggest, though, because there's still a bit of work to do. Yes. Yeah. So um, the qualifying situation uh, for the Champions League, it's, it's going to be tough. It's a tough old summer. So Arsenal are going to have around about nine, I think, players at the Olympics. The Olympics finish on the 6th of August in Tokyo and the first qualifier happens on the 18th of August. Um, and it's really... And anyone who's paid any attention to what like the Champions League and Europa League qualifiers look like nowadays, which probably for Arsenal fans like me, you haven't been because it hasn't been a concern for us, mm. but they, they do this weird convoluted uh, qualifying process. So Arsenal will play qualifiers on the 18th and 21st of August. Now, they will be drawn against teams who are likely to be semi-pro, so they should win those. It's it's a weird, like they're at a neutral venue and there's 16 teams and they're splitting up them up into four mini tournaments. Um, and it, yeah, it's nonsense like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if they go through that, they then have a two-legged uh, qualifying playoff to go into the group stages. This at uh, the end of August, beginning of September. This is where things could get tricky. Um, only four teams actually go straight in um, to the the Champions League group stages. Actually, it's five this year. Um, so it's the teams from the top four seeded countries, um, and England is not one of those because um, Arsenal are the only English team to have won the Champions League, and that right. was fourteen years ago. So England's coefficient is not great. Um, Chelsea have improved that this year by getting to the final but not winning it and getting thumped by Barcelona which is great because that improves the coefficient and it means that Arsenal is still the only English team to have won the Champions League um, so so only a, a couple of, of teams go straight in so Arsenal and they'll be unseeded um, for this playoff so um, it's like the, the runners up from Germany and France and, and Spain go in right. now this year, there's, there looks like a bit of a power shift happening in women's football. So at the moment, it looks like Bayern Munich are going to win the Bundesliga instead of Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg generally win it every year. So Wolfsburg look like they're going to finish second. So Arsenal could play them. In France, um, at the moment, PSG are top ahead of Lyon with two games to go, but they play each other this weekend. So if PSG don't lose, they will win Um the league in France so Arsenal could get Lyon um, and if they get Wolfsburg or Lyon they probably won't go through tough um, tough games alright yeah yeah I mean don't get me wrong they, they could get there's something like a 20% chance that they could get like Wolfsburg or Lyon um, so it's it, it could be really difficult it might not because they might get like the, the runners up from Sweden or mm. Czech Republic or something like that which which would be a little bit easier for them. So they do have some work to go do before they go into group stages, but that's why the first half of next season is going to be really, really tough because they've got all these qualifiers on the back of pretty much no pre-season. Um, this season's FA Cup is finishing at the beginning of next season, so that's potentially a few extra games in there. 
if they're in the Champions League group stages, that's another six games. The Conti Cup group stages happen like from August to December. They're going to be playing every three days. Um, so they're going to need a big squad and they're going to need to sort out. Yeah. They're going to need to not get the level of injuries they've been getting recently. So if, you know, is it a runner though, if if they do make it through uh, to the, the Champions League group stages, is it a possibility or is it is it likely that games might be played at the Emirates? I, I think so, yeah. yeah. I, I, think, um, I think Arsenal would have done it this season, played a game at the Emirates, but obviously um, with COVID they didn't. Um, it, it's a slightly more complicated question just because effectively they surrender home advantage, really. I mean, mm. not not entirely, because if you get like 20,000, 30,000 fans inside the Emirates cheering for you, that, that has an impact. But obviously they know Boreham Wood. It's their pitch, it's their turf, it's their home. Yeah. Um, actually, Arsenal had this question with the 2007 Champions League final. Back then it was a two-legged home and away thing. And uh, Arsenal ladies were offered the chance to play the home leg at the Emirates and they declined because they said, no, 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 we want to play at Boreham Wood. Um, but I, I think that, you know, there's a recognition that in terms of growing um, growing this thing and getting fans in that that would be a really good thing to do. And I agree. Um, I, I fully expect next season Spurs at home to happen at the Emirates. That's a really good fixture for Arsenal to pick yeah. because it doesn't matter that they surrender home advantage. More complicated with Man City and Chelsea because they they need the fine margins in those games. Mm. Spurs, they'll thrash anyway, wherever they play them. <laughs> so um, it's, it's really not a problem to play the North London derby at the Emirates. Um, but some of those Champions League games, yeah, yeah. Particularly because, again, Arsenal if they make it to the group stage, will be unseeded. So they will they'll they'll play at least one big team. So if they get like Barcelona in their group or something, you know, like absolutely play that at the Emirates. All right. Well, look, let's keep fingers crossed. They can get to that stage where they have to make that kind of a, a decision about where they're playing. Just very finally, there is a new manager coming in. I know this is something that you're going to to wait to cover in more detail on the, the Arsenal women arse cast um, mm-hmm. with, um, you know, with all the benefit of information because you'll know who it is and you can discuss that uh, with the various correspondents that you've got on there. But um, Joe Montemoro uh, is leaving slash has left, um, you know, his time at the club. I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, really, but but just a few final words on Joe and and you know what what kind of an impact he's had on the club and on the players. I saw the video that they put out, which was really great. Mm. You know, all the all the players giving him a uh, you know a, a goodbye message, and it was quite emotional. Uh, even if you yep. weren't like a huge fan of Arsenal women, you'd be hard pressed to look at that video and not get a a little bit of a lump in your throat. So it was nicely done. I think in some ways. Uh, speaks to the to the relationship he had not just with the players but with the club itself yeah definitely he's 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 a really nice man joe um it really really comes across um when you talk to him and um you know talk to any journalist that's covered arsenal women to any extent and uh, people love talking to him because he's just he's he's a really nice bloke um he knows football inside out like mm. tactically it, even a lot of his biggest critics would say that tactically he's he's really got it sussed um, as a coach. He he really loves that side um, of coaching. He really loves the tactic 
the tactical technical side mm. um you know he's italian background um so that's that's really how um how how he kind of came up uh watching some of those like uh milan teams and things like that from the late 80s and early 90s um and just his impact like i said i i do think it went a bit stale this year but in terms of, I just think he lifted Arsenal mm. um, from a place where he, he's the kind of manager that really, uh, it's the kind of appointment at the time that the men could do with now, probably. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, prob- just that kind of Arsenal were, they were in a, a bit of a weird place where they turned into a cup team and they weren't challenging for the league anymore. And, you know, there were question marks about how much further ahead Manchester City and Chelsea were and instantly he just kind of went no we've got to go back to challenging for the league this is it's not good enough to finish fourth or fifth and then maybe win the FA Cup like Mm. we've got to get back up there and ultimately that's why he's going because they're not there now and Arsenal would not have sacked him he's taken that decision himself and that's that also I think speaks to his character as well because he, he had two years left on his contract he could have sat on it it's a dream job for him you know he grew up supporting this club so he, he could easily have just kind of sat on the contract but he hasn't mm. and and I think yeah his his influence just as um just just as a man and as a character and I, and I think he resurrected some player careers there so you know players we've talked about like Katie McKay Danielle van der Donk as well she was probably in a bit of a slump until Joe came in um, Arsenal were in general and he just I think he just picked um, a few players up and I think he just really set the club back on that pedestal that no 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 this is this is Arsenal women and this is a team that should be challenging for everything so um i i think i do think he's going at the right time but you know i i would uh, i i would definitely commend um his work overall and put it this way if the next manager can have the sort of impact that joe had in his first year to 18 months then it would be very exciting times indeed all right well look lots to come this summer uh, both in terms of managerial appointments players to come in squad building uh, and all the rest you will of course be covering it uh, for us over on Arse blog news there is a dedicated section to the arsenal women there's a dedicated podcast to the arsenal women that tim does more or less once a month but there are some special episodes in there as well So do check those out for now, Tim. Thank you very much indeed. My pleasure as always. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
You can find Tim on Twitter at Stilberto, at Stilberto. And as I said, you can check out the dedicated section to Arsenal women over on Arsblog News. That is Arsblog.news. Just look at the menu bar at the top. It says women. Click that and you'll find everything you need to know about the Arsenal women's team. And of course, we'll continue our coverage throughout the summer and into next season and beyond. So look, we're going to leave it there for now. Like I said, we'll have a regular Arscast on Friday. Until then, though, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.